Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where we talk about culture, relationships, and society from a male and a female perspective. Today, we're talking about oversharing. So uh, I'm sure we can both uh, overshare while we talk about this topic. And this was Eliza's idea to discuss this topic. So I'm sure uh, we're going to be able to delve into this one and uh, really uh, get to the nitty gritty of uh, oversharing. And I'm sure social media has definitely played a part in how much we tend to overshare now on on social media itself and on podcasts. So this is the appropriate forum for that. Uh, no real announcements this uh, podcast, but as always, come see your show. If you're interested, follow us on social media, Sex Sales Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. And I've got my solo tour happening at the end of the year throughout Australia as well. So other than that, Eliza, how are you doing? Good. Same old. What's been going on with you? Same old as well. Nothing particularly new to report. We did the first Brisbane um, Untamed show last Thursday. Went really well. Really happy with it. So, How exciting. Yeah, Good. We've, whole, we've conquered the whole East Coast. Love that. Well, oh, the main place in the East Coast. Uh, we don't have one in Cairns or Townsville yet, but you know what? I don't think uh, we ever will. <laughs> Fair enough. Does Tasmania count as the East Coast of Australia? I feel like really. it doesn't. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what Tasmania out. should be a different country. The whole landscape is very different. Have, when was the last time you've ever gone to Tasmania? Um, When I was 22 or 23, I think. Okay. So yeah. different. The whole environment and the climate. I love it's it. A different yeah. country. All the, and then all the species actually evolve differently there because, well, because it's detached from the, from the mainland. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I guess that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I love Taz. I'd love to live there. Well, I don't know about I that. Mean, but Maybe not, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I do love is like their, um, the laws around child protection and social work and things like that are very different there and way more advanced because they go by different states and stuff. It's amazing. So. Oh, yeah. What specifically do they do differently there? Uh, just that. Oh my god, you're gonna really put me on the spot off the top of my head. Just that when I had to do research things for like um work on decisions I can make regarding children, every time I came across like that the laws down there, it was always like, Oh, I wish I could do that here, but I can't. So but I can't think of anything on top of my head. I'm too sleep deprived, but just <laughs> trust me on it. <laughs> okay. Well, good on you, Tassie. Uh I've heard a lot of people are leaving Tasmania though, and the economy is a bit Why? sad. Well, there's uh, not many jobs and uh, it was the one, I think it's the only state left that's still, well, we tend to vacillate between Labor and Liberal all throughout Australia, but uh, it yeah. actually swung Liberal in the last federal election, whereas everywhere else didn't necessarily swing Labor, but it just, uh, the vote share for Liberals and Labor, but more so Liberals declined dramatically. But then for some reason in Tasmania um, increased and... The funny thing about Tasmania, because it's a state, you, you get the same amount of uh, representatives for the Senate. So you have 12, uh, as far as I'm aware, you do have 12 senators essentially oh. representing 24 people. So that's a quick and easy way to get into federal politics, move to Tasmania and become a senator. There you go. Yeah, but you then you've got to live in Tasmania. No, look, I, I like <laughs> Tasmania, but I just did a show. I did some gala shows there last year. And they just didn't laugh that much. So I took that personally. 
<laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I want to ask my, actually, you know what? When you said what's going on, and I was like, nothing. And I was thinking to myself, God, nothing dramatic happens in my life anymore to share. But something did happen to me. And that was one of the kind of caveats as to why I wanted to do this podcast on oversharing. Was okay. I got robbed again. Oh, uh, my car I'm sorry got broken into. Oh, no. Again. Well, last time it was Adrian's car, this time it was mine. And um, they tried to steal it as well. They tried to hotwire it. <laughs> Lol. Um, and I posted on the local like Facebook page saying, just check your cars, um, blah, blah, blah. And this guy that lives on my street, he messaged me saying he was robbed as well. A lot of people were. He's like, I've got it on camera. Um, so I was like, I'll message you separately. So I start messaging this guy. He sends me the videos. You can't see anything. It's just like a 50-year-old man in a track suit or something like you can't see his face. So I have a bad feeling already from what you're – but, yeah, go on. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's not It's not dramatic. But okay. um, he, he – I said, are you going to report this to police because I am and they'll probably want your footage. And he was like, nah, I'm not going to. They're, they're just going to put it in the too hard basket. And then I don't know why, but I went on like – I don't even have a thing against the police. In fact – Whatever. I don't have a thing against the police, but I went on this tangent <laughs> talking to this stranger about all the times in my life that the police have let me down. And I just shared every single memory and experience <laughs> basically of how like they didn't do this and then this happened to me and they didn't do this. And I was telling him in a detailed way as well, like that the last time I was robbed, um, they took Adrian's AirPods and then I tracked them to the house when I was like nine months pregnant and the police came and knocked on the door and then came out to me and said, oh, they don't have them. So I went in heavily pregnant, found the AirPods, did the dinging thing, took it back to the police. Long story short, I got the name of all the culprits. I found out who stole it. I found out the address. The police did nothing. And then I said, can you follow this up now that you have the names to get the rest of our stuff back? Um, and they never did. So I was telling this to this guy being like, there's no point even bringing this up to the police. Like, this is what happened to me. Oh, and this happened. Oh, and then this happened. And, um, and then anyway, lo and behold, to my surprise, the next day the police showed up at my door and they were like, we're here to investigate, you know, your attempted car theft. And, um, I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, they kept saying, we've heard you've got footage. And I was like, well, as I said on the phone to this person and when I submitted online, I've said 50 different times, the footage isn't mine. It belongs to this person at this address. It's not my footage. It's not my car. And then he was like, how did you get the footage? And he goes, um, and I was like, oh, he, this guy on, on Facebook Messenger, just send it to me. And he goes, can I look at the messages to see like, uh, if there was any other information he had, <laughs> I was like, fuck, fuck. All the whole conversation is me talking shit about the police. I was like, no, it, no, you can't. It was just the, um, it was just, <laughs> just the videos, I promise. But that whole night I was so stressed because he was like, we might pop by again tomorrow with some more questions. And they did come back and they didn't ask about the conversation, but I was so stressed being like, why do I have to just disclose everything about myself <laughs> to a stranger? Um, I really put my foot on it, like God. And then I was like trying to Google, like, are there laws against talking shit about police? <laughs> like, um, but obviously I actually don't know where that's going because they're going to call me again on Monday, but, um, <laughs> weird thing. Um, and then in that time as well, I, I told you as, as well, like, um, I got a message 
from someone that listens to this podcast, a very nice message, but he was talking about how he um, he or someone, maybe his partner, I can't remember, has ADHD and that he could see me having ADHD because I'm such an oversharer. And then the next day, my friend and I were talking about, she was like, I'm an oversharer and Eliza, you're a chronic oversharer too. I was like, oh, there's such a theme of oversharing right now coming up in my life. Like, what does this mean? So that's what motivated me for today because I was like, why is this? Mm. What are the reasons? Why do we do it? And I have the answers. Well, I didn't know you your car got robbed again. Sorry to hear. I know. Do you think they'll do you think they'll get them? No. I don't. Oh. I don't. Yeah, they were like, oh, we'd no. fingerprint it, but you already drove your car since it happened. And I was like, well, last time you didn't do anything, so I didn't think to not drive it. I just, and, I just and, put it all back together. And and they didn't steal anything. So, so. Oh, they did. They okay. stole um, They stole my bank cards and they stole my oh, license. God. Have they taken any? But they left, which was interesting. Did they take any they money? They left all my expensive things. Um, no, because he did it at like 4 a.m., and then according to the, this footage, the guy that lives like two doors down, and then I noticed at like 10 a.m., so hopefully he was still asleep or something. So um, <laughs> I just cancelled wow. my cards probably before the time he woke up. I was lucky I noticed. Well, okay. he left it all really messy, so it was pretty obvious. But, cool. yeah, other than that, they didn't sell anything. And my car is full of stuff and expensive things too, which I've now – actually, I, that's a lie. I haven't yet remedied that. i gotta, <laughs> I got to fix that. And take that shit out, but um, the car's yeah, asking for it. Yeah, it was. It certainly was. <laughs> well, all right. Well, it could be. It could have been a lot worse. At least you got. Uh, you still got the car, and and they didn't take any money. But still, that's yeah. At least he didn't come into and... my house or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> jeez. Um, that would have been. I know. Bad. I was thinking. I hope this doesn't end up on the dark web. <laughs> God. Yeah. Good God. Because oh. <laughs> what does someone take someone's license for? No. Who knows? <laughs> Nothing good. Yeah, well, all right. Well, hopefully that all gets sorted and they find out <laughs> who did that because that's a that's a little bit scary, especially if it's happened twice. I think you gotta get a bigger yeah. you gotta get a bigger dog. Maybe that's why oh, in the central coast they got they got all the rough dogs. Scary dogs. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. <laughs> mm. I think so. But um yeah, it's last time it was teenagers and this time it was a definite usually. man. Oh, yeah. okay. Look, usually with carjacking, it's either teenagers that are just being bratty, or it's yeah, yeah, drug uh, related, and they might need the money. You know, but it's yeah. Rarely is it some absolute psychopath who's, uh, you know, trying to. Anyway, let's probably not the <laughs> let's not speculate on who it could have been, but. <laughs> I hope you get justice. But yeah, oversharing. Um Well, yeah, you do. You you I wouldn't even say you overshare. You just you you share a lot of your personal uh life, but I think that's why people like listening to you and and like listening to this podcast and uh at least in our uh amount of time doing podcasts together, it's never felt like some kind of impediment to having good conversations. Some some people I know tend to overshare in a way that can be maybe cringeworthy or just can yeah. be a bit off-putting and it makes yes. it harder for them to, to make friends and, and just be amicable in a social environment. But I've never experienced that with 
with you. So then oversharing is <laughs> is subjective because uh, it could be it could be a good thing. It could be how you connect with people. Um, yes. What what, yeah. what what did you get from your research? What did you find? So there's lots of reasons, uh, and you touched on two there, which is good. So for for me personally, I find that whether it's oversharing or just a happy sharer, um, I find that I bond best with people and connect to people when I know everything about them. So someone might say, Elias is my best friend, but if I don't know every inch of their thought process, I can't consider myself close to them until I know them like really inside and out. And so I find that by, I think subconsciously by sharing like personal things that have happened to me and being really open and forthcoming that it makes people feel really comfortable to share openly back and, and, um, in response. So for me personally, it's like a, it's a bonding thing. And it's also like, a, it's very common with women, like gossiping is bonding essentially. But it is interesting that like, I, I do consider it to be somewhat of like a flaw in myself. And it's funny because I'm really, really attracted to people that are like really private and reserved. <laughs> like that's like, that's, that's my juice. Like, and it's probably because that's something that I admire or want in myself. And there's been so many times I, I was actually out with my mother's group the other weekend for dinner. And we're not like, we're close in the sense that we hang out a lot, but we're not close in the sense that we sh- talk very personally. A lot of our conversation is dominated by babies because it's my mother's group. And we went out for dinner and they were having a few drinks. I was sober, but I was getting like excited. And then I was oversharing so much. And we were talking about all kinds of like conversations. And then I realized I'm dominating this conversation with 10 women talking very personal things. We're talking about sex basically. And then I was driving home and I was like, wrong crowd. (laughs) Like, I think this was the wrong crowd. Uh, Why the fuck did I talk so much about this and say so much of that stuff? I regretted it. Um, No one cares, obviously. Yeah. Do you think they actually, maybe they found it entertaining or do you think think you're just being critical about about yourself? Have you, have you ever had someone say to you, not just, oh, you're an oversharer, but hey, I actually don't appreciate how much you're oversharing. Have you ever had someone actually? Never. <laughs> I've only ever actually been like complimented on that. Like I, I hear a lot, like I feel comfortable talking to you and I could say anything weird and you would just be like, cool. But it is funny, like maybe it is a self-critical thing and I'm not like, I find myself not attracted to other people, like romantically attracted to people that are like that, like me. If I meet someone that's like me and as a man, I'm like, oh no, you talk too much, oh, <laughs> you okay. say too much. Oh, double. But as a friend, okay. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, interesting. Where do you think the the perception of it being a flaw comes from? Then, if you've only ever been complimented about it, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think it's just like I think that sometimes I take it too far. Um, and a really good example is when I had a bonding day with my team that I created um, and when I brought like my bosses out and then my team that I work with and there was like 15, 20 of us and we, as an icebreaker, I set three people um, to create an icebreaker um, for everyone and one person create their icebreaker was everyone has to go around the circle and share an embarrassing story 
And like the story I shared is how <laughs> when uh, <laughs> corporate team bonding exercise. <laughs> I know, and everyone was saying like really cute stories of like, oh, I accidentally like wore my shirt inside out the other day, and my tag was out the hallway. <laughs> and I was like, oh, when me and um, when me and Adrian were having sex, I dislocated my shoulder, and the paramedics had to come and get me dressed, and it was like terrible. And then <laughs> I was like, oh. Why the fuck did I say that in front of my bosses, <laughs> like in a corporate setting? I don't know if I actually said if we, we were having sex, I might have said we were in like a, a vulnerable position <laughs> or something. Um, but, yeah, there's times where that happens and I'm like, oh, why? Yeah, why did I do that? That's a bit inappropriate. It was hilarious to everyone. Like no one took it. My boss was crying with laughter so like it was received well. <laughs> Um, thank God. Um, but yeah, I do. It sounds like you have tact about it. It's not like you're just sharing personal details that someone else may be upset or offended by. Yeah. Like I know the crowd, I guess maybe. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea. And like we, I remember like one of my friends, um, really close friends that I work with, he is like a, uh, He's older than me, like 10 years older than me, and he's um, a Korean man who's very, like, heavily involved in the church. And long story short, we're polar opposites, but we've been friends for years and years, and we get along so well. And he he always, like, is so taken aback by my stories. He finds them really funny, but when I talk, he's always so taken aback by what I say. He's the type of person, he doesn't even say, oh my God. He says, oh my gosh, like doesn't, never heard him swear, never said a bad word, never said anything inappropriate. And then we did this um, like workplace training on sexual harassment. And I was like finding out that I'm accidentally sexually harassing like so many people by subjecting them to information or stories or whatever that I'm like, do they consent to this? And then afterwards I was like, "Um, are you comfortable with this? Anyway, of course he was. It's fine. But, you know, you never never know who's receiving it well and who's receiving it's not. And I would have – my heart would be broken if I ever found out that someone was like really – truly uncomfortable and with what I was saying or sharing. But I also feel like I know how to be appropriate. (laughs) Mm. And there are some people, and this is another, like one of the other reasons I was coming across, there are some people that just do it like so chronically and subconsciously and they have no awareness. They have no social awareness of what they're sharing. Um, Like even though I share lots on this podcast, there's a lot, a lot of things that I don't share that are too personal or too much involving someone else or whatever. Um, But some people can't withhold anything. Uh, And it's, it's not an actual disorder, but it feels like disordered thinking or disordered communicating. Um, So and a, and a big part of that as well is trauma dumping. So they'll be like, oh, yeah. this happened to me and then this happened to me. And also I have chronic um, depression, anxiety, BPD and this, which is like fine to share. And then, oh, and last week I attempted to do this and then this happened and then I was also sexually assaulted and blah, blah, blah. Um, and to subject someone that isn't a close personal friend to that information. You don't know one, what the impact on that person is having. Um, that could be extremely triggering, but two, like I would find as the receiver, I would find that level of oversharing to be like, what, 
what's going on with this person that makes them so comfortable to offload that immediately upon meeting someone that they've never even spoken to before, Um, especially things like when you can – I also feel like you can feel it in the energy where some people are like – you just end up in a deep conversation. Like there's been so many times where I would go to a house party, find a random and sit and talk to her or him for like three hours, find like every single – trauma of their life and then leave and never speak to them again. And I don't go around thinking they're oversharers. I just think whatever. And then there are other people that will stand in a room with 40 people and disclose everything that they've ever thought or (laughs) has occurred to them. And you think, okay, there's, there is something here. And that kind of oversharing I think can be not necessarily problematic, but just um, intense and not always appropriate and there there are definite reasons for that like one thing I've learned recently is people that are neurodivergent often especially ADHD often process verbally so they need to talk things out loud to have their thoughts heard um, and need to share everything to in order to process it themselves and understand that themselves which I think is why maybe that person was telling me that he thinks I have ADHD because I'm a talker um but yeah there's and there's a lot of other reasons as well for it of course um like one of them being your childhood and your upbringing and people that have had tough childhoods um and parenting styles where they felt like they weren't listened to or they were dismissed or they would get in trouble things all the time and have to explain themselves. They can be oversharers in the sense that instead of saying like, sorry, I'm late, there was traffic. They're so um, determined to make sure that that individual understands, please don't be mad at me. This is what happened to me. I will share every detail. I lost a tampon inside me, something like very personal and intimate because I don't want them to be mad at me or upset mm. at me. And that's a really, really common aspect of oversharing. Yeah, and then it unfortunately can have a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, aspect to it where it's not that the the incidents of being late or doing something inappropriate is what's putting people off, but the oversharing can be what puts yeah. people off and then makes them reticent to working with them in a larger capacity or anything like that. I think some of this is is just personal preference. Some people like talking and connecting with people who uh, can speak at length about their experiences, even if they mm-hmm. are intense experiences. And some people don't like that. So I don't think you can please any everyone at the end of the day. Some people are going to enjoy that style of conversation. Some people aren't. But mm. it, it can be one of those situations where, that, look, this is just who I am. And if it's yeah. not, if it's not uh, drastically impacting my social life and the health of my social relationships, then I just have to find people who appreciate that about me. Yeah. And there certainly are. I mean, like you said, they're, they're, you're someone who likes, uh, in, in a friendship context, people who can speak at length about the experiences they've endured. And uh, I, I think I'm in the middle, uh, if someone's yeah. total open book immediately, I do get put off. But then if someone's never never says anything about themselves, it's also a bit off-putting. Yeah. So I think I, I think I'm average maybe. I, I, the one thing I did pick up on when you were talking is that uh, often people who are oversharers, it's a, it may not necessarily be the fact that others 
maybe put off because of their oversharing, but they'll always just talk, it's they're just talking about themselves the whole time, yeah. and then they never yeah. actually ask a question, and that can be yeah. really off-putting and frustrating. So then they'll say, "Oh, people don't like me because I'm an oversharer." When you know it's a hard conversation to have, but more often than not, the oversharing is fine. Just give the other person an opportunity to to meet you halfway or to to overshare themselves. And just in That's my personal cool. experience, um, often some people who would trauma dump or share a lot about their personal life, they they. Uh, you know they dominate the conversation and they don't ask you any question ever or if they'll yeah. they'll ask you one question you get a sentence in and then they just keep oversharing Relating and trauma dumping and that's yeah. when it gets really frustrating and that's some something that people might have to work on um yeah. have you experienced that oh 100% i think it's a really good point to make and it's it's a social skill that is with good intentions but and it's hard. It's definitely harder for some people to counteract that. Um, my friend, the one I was talking about oversharing with, we we're talking about us both being oversharers. Um, she has ADHD, and she says like she's really, really conscious of how she often or sometimes brings the conversation back to her when someone says, "I'm going through this." She said, "Oh, like I've gone through the same thing." He's like, "What helped me or what I do?" And even though her intentions are really good, she's aware like, "Okay, I do this very frequently." Uh, but to to her credit, she always is following up and very much like, "Tell me this, tell me that question, a question, question." And she was talking about how um, she does it because she's like very empathetic and she wants someone to learn or potentially help someone in some way like when once we were having a conversation or Adrian and her were having a conversation um about anxiety and she like went into like this big um conversation about how she has anxiety these are the medications she takes this is her journey with it and that was really helpful for Adrian he really liked it because he didn't know about at that point he didn't know anything about taking medication for anxiety and she was saying to me this is why like I overshare a lot of things because I feel like that could help someone in some ways and I feel like that's the positive side of it and then there's another side where some people cannot bring that conversation back to the person and it's just oh you mentioned Europe let me tell you about my trip to Europe and nothing else no like I recommend you go here nothing like that it's just um it's a way that people find is a simplified version of an attempt to bond and connect by saying here's a shared experience we have. And what's really funny is I'm watching the American Bachelor at the moment, or Bachelorette, and um, they anytime they share something, the guys, the girls are like, I've gone through something similar. I relate to this. Like someone will be like, my dad's got cancer, and she'll be like, I this is the upbringing I had, and I was – um, have this relationship with my mom and I'm estranged and it's like it's great in some sense but in the other sense you've taken that moment away from the person that just disclosed what had gone on in their family and didn't really validate it in the way that you think you validated it and you haven't let them like you haven't delved into that and asked them more about that instead you've steered the conversation to you and the attention to you and there are definite people that are more comfortable to hold and dominate a 
conversation, whether that be because they're extroverted and they're like, this just comes naturally. And to be conscious of being like, let's, let's share this conversation. Like even when you and I are podcasting, there are times like in this podcast, I've probably spoken like 75%, probably more, but there are other times when you and I are talking about something that I have no information on or, or know much about, or you're sharing a story and that'll be a or even a whole podcast topic, like when we talked about comedy or whatever, I don't know nothing. And then you kind of share that and that's the way that we flow. And I think that's, it's good to have that kind of personality or a communication style more so where it's, it's not always, it doesn't need to be perfectly balanced all the time, but it's not, it's not the show about this person. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that seemingly just comes from, uh, a rudimentary level of, of emotional intelligence, or it could be someone who's neurodivergent and might not yeah. be in con- conscious control of that. But if it's not uh, an, a form of neurodivergence, then it does. It, it feels very frustrating when someone's like that and they're constantly relating everything you say to them and almost trying to one up you and mm. making it as though they're the main character that's the phrase that uh, yeah. has become popular on on social media now and i think that's very appropriate to something like this yeah so yeah i relate to to some of that um in the arts you get a lot of those sorts of people because that's what the arts is you're yeah. expressing your stories more often than not and so you get some people with a lack of maybe social tact or at least from my perception uh and it, it's 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 annoying but it's not so, you know, so you, you can manage that well if, if that's what the person is like. You you understand that, and and more often than not, oversharers can be very entertaining to listen to as well, <laughs> even if they the are storytellers. Exactly, yeah. if they're talking about themselves. They often have uh, quite uh, dr- dramatic lives, and it, it's uh, it's fun to hear them. But there are other times when you think, oh, I just I would prefer someone to just have an equal. Yeah, footing in this conversation, or I, I might want to get something off my chest, and they don't necessarily give you that opportunity, and that can be frustrating. So, I suppose you get positives and negatives with those sorts of people. Uh, the positives is that you're always entertained, and there's always someone's talking, and there's never a dull moment. There's, it's very mm. rarely ever awkward with people like that. In fact, they're great um, in comedy shows. Because especially in in certain comedy shows where you're asking the audience and and you want to get some information that you can hopefully work with, they're perfect. Whereas a more introverted, reserved person, not appropriate. Um, So, look, there are are certain contexts where I think those are admirable traits and then there are other situations where they may not be. Um, Yeah. You know what's interesting as well is I find that something that goes along with a lot of people that are oversharers. This doesn't really go along with me, but um, a lot of people that are, I've noticed, have um, it aligns a lot with like self-deprecation and that kind of humour, especially in comedy or whatever, where they're like, oh, last Saturday, tried to neck myself. Like <laughs> just so casually dropped it's something like really now, intense yeah. in conversation. Yeah. Um and I have my friend pointed that out to me as well. Like she, when she overshares, she heavily underlies it with like some kind of self-deprecating humor to kind of soften it. Um, but it, it it almost is doing the opposite effect of 
softening it, but to the entertainment, I suppose, um, of others. Like it's almost like, yeah, this was really heavy, but don't worry. I don't want to make you uncomfortable with this heaviness. So I'm going to make like a little sly joke about it. Um, and another thing I've noticed that it just in my personal, um, experience is I've actually found interestingly that when you were talking about how they don't steer the conversation back um, or they don't follow up questions. I found that a lot when I was single and dating men that um, that was actually the biggest difference I found between dating men and women that when I went on dates with women, I felt like I left these conversations and these dates being like, I have never been felt like someone was so interested in my life or left after an hour knowing so much about me and talking like asking me all these amazing questions and having this beautiful conversation whereas when I dated men and like I'm be honest I've dated a lot so many conversations (laughs) one I would hold the conversation initiate all the conversation and then ask them questions they would answer it and so limited with the follow-up response or question back to me. So I would be like, okay, I'm just going to have to like softly drop some information about myself. And like Adrian was the worst with that. Like our entire, he's still like this when he talks to people, like he will wait for someone to initiate conversation and he's not an overshare. It's not coming from that. It's coming from shyness. He'll wait for someone to start a conversation with him. He'll answer the question and then wait for them to ask something else, <laughs> like basically. Um, and that's like really annoying, but um, at times. And it's, I just, I definitely found that more common with men, interestingly. Mm. That's very nice. That's an observation a lot of women will yeah. say. So, yeah, yeah. Can't, can't, I guess can't deny that. But uh, you did, you do always say that you, you specifically went for a certain type of man as well, though. You went for... No, I didn't go for them. I'm just most attracted to them. Yeah. I think that's... I went, I dated all, every single type of personality under the trait because I'd be like, all right, this is what my last boyfriend was like. Now I'm going to go the opposite or whatever. Um, so I don't... I definitely, most of the people I went on dates with, I would say like 20, less than 20% were like the reserved, like okay. shy type. That That's always like my favorite, but not, not very often, because especially when you're dating online, if they don't have like, if they don't have Riz, <laughs> it's hard to get a date arranged. So, you know, that's, like, that's maybe that's also the pressure that they're, they're under I need to impress her I need her to yeah. laugh at my jokes I need her to yeah see how uh you know a- um amazing I am whereas yeah. maybe women just feel more comfortable in that situation and don't feel the need to impress uh v- verbally and as a result are more comfortable but um there's, yeah. there's a few good YouTube channels that help charisma on command is the classic and that's really good would recommend that to any man who's in that particular situation and there are just uh there are books on on things like that and and just practice and um asking more open-ended questions as opposed to just talking about yourself which is not my area of expertise <laughs> but you know it, it'll it'll help everyone if 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 we can all uh Im- improve our uh, uh dating intelligence and ask the appropriate questions and steer the conversation in a nice way when we're on dates. So, you know, it doesn't hurt to watch some of those videos. 
uh, I remember, I think it was a TikTok video you might, you might have shared with me or you might have talked about in one of the podcasts, but when people ask closed-ended questions, you know, how's the weather? Oh, it was good, but it, they're not really engaging the other person with anything further. So yeah, it's always good to just ask something further, but yeah, a lot of this comes yeah. from, from practice as well. It does. It's truly a skill and even just answering questions in a way that helps out the other person. Like if someone asks me a question, I'm always giving this person the best shortcut in order to continue that conversation and make it easy for them. Like I won't answer the question. I will give like three different avenues to go down. Like how's the weather? Oh, it's a beautiful day outside today. It reminds me of when I went to Fiji last year. Um, But I don't love the sun too much because I'm allergic to the sun. None of those things are true, obviously. And if I was answering the question, it would be truthful. Um, But just those kind of things where you just drop more information about yourself really helps like someone lead that conversation on next being like, what? You're allergic to the sun? That's, I didn't know that was a thing. And then bam, there's your next conversation topic. But I think like if you're, even if regardless of dating, but just looking to like to be able to talk to strangers and things like that, it's always really good to have some questions on hand that are safe and easy to ask and to initiate rather than being something like, oh, did you drive here today? Um, and it's like, yeah, I drove. <laughs> like that's a question I got asked a lot. <laughs> and I'm like, I see, like, I feel like that's Sorry, a panic I don't know question. Why I don't know why I find that so funny. But, what kind of transport um, did you I've probably asked that. But, <laughs> it might, again, it could, be, it could be a nervousness thing. Um, yeah, exactly. But, it just yeah. Something blurts out and you're like, fuck, i got to say something really quick. Yeah. Or like something like that. So How'd you get here? Um, yeah. <laughs> has some things on standby. <laughs> What's an example? Because it's sometimes you've got you to ask those standard questions to start off, especially if you're meeting someone for the first yeah. time and both people are guarded and, and likely a bit nervous and, you know, first yeah. date can always be quite awkward. So. You can't jump into, hey, what's your opinion on this on this um yes, niche yeah. convoluted topic? Uh, if I recall, often what I did is if if we've if we've uh, matched on a dating app and we've talked about certain topics there, I might try to yeah. use those as an avenue into um yeah, something else. Uh, a lot of I know a lot of guys are often trying to be charming and seductive and funny. And, and, you know, it's, that's a skill. And to learn that you often have to fail and can come across as cocky or uh, yeah. just I- idiotic, to be frank. So yeah. uh, a lot of times the intention, if, if women are in the same position you are, I would, I would, I would assume a lot of times the guys that their intention is to try to, you know, make you laugh or yeah. uh, just, just keep you engaged uh but having said that you know they gotta probably ask better questions than did you drive here (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think like it's a really good point on like the initial i I find that so fun okay (laughs) (laughs) probably unlocking a memory yeah maybe i'll probably um (laughs) the initial like conversation that you make is really important to set the tone on how you're going to go obviously people grow more comfortable but it is hard because you don't want to just be like hi how are you i'm eliza what do you do for work like that's it's not like every that's everyone's go-to question but it's definitely not something that i bring up like usually what i do if i walked into a date i'd hug them 
seem really excited and warm. I mean, I would usually be really excited. Uh, give them a hug. Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. And then I'll be like, how was your day? Did that's, anything exciting yeah, happen today? One. First question. And then second thing, if nothing stems from that, I pick something on them. Do they have a ring? Do they have a tattoo? Are they wearing something? Do they have a nose ring? Does she have eyeliner? That's the one thing, guys, if they ever so create funny. a conversation on me, it's always like, I like your wing eyeliner or sharp wings. That's always like their go-to. Like it's funny, but that's something that like points something out. Or even if they have a drink, what's what's your drink? What are you drinking tonight? Like that kind of thing. Yeah, get the drinks um, as, as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't date sober chicks. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but, God, uh, how many people panicked when I said I don't drink? They're like, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> I just don't know. Yeah. Well, because it's a yeah. social crutch that we all, yeah, a lot of us rely on. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I don't um, – it was always nicer going on dates when, when it was at a bar or it was at night. It just felt – it just felt more romantic and it felt like a uh, – a date like atmosphere whereas when i got coffee with people it felt very platonic yeah still good it was still nice we had a good chat but there's something about when it's dark and it's a nice bar and you know there's an atmosphere and ambience yeah i think that's that's fair enough i probably never did that because (laughs) one time i one time i did it he just bought me like two Cokes, and then I was like, I don't want Coke. <laughs> like, I'm just going to sit here for three hours without anything. And I, I was fine with that, but he was stressed. I My go-to, I don't know, it's interesting as a woman as well that I always like initiated, not initiated the dates. Um, I'd wait to be asked, but I'd already planned the date. And I'd always be like, let's do a little four o'clock walk because it's daylight. It starts at daylight. You're walking. You don't have that immediate like intensity of sitting across each other one-on-one. You can just walking side by side. If you're comfortable, if you're vibing, you can do a little like um, brush as you're walking. Then you get to your destination, sit down. It's 5, 10 PM. The sun's setting. (laughs) Then it's romance. It's nice. nice. And then also what's really great is that it's comfortable for like women, because once it gets dark, you can be like, oh, well, we're outside in a park. It's dark. I probably have to go home now. Or why don't we go for dinner and continue the conversation? I think it's such like, and anytime if a guy ever said like, oh, how about going for a little walk or something, a little stroll, I know a spot. I'd be like, that's, I love that because I almost find it like a a little bit. I mean, that's kind of gross, but you know what I mean? Like I find it kind of like a cop out to be like, oh, let's go to another bar. Like, Whatever. But I also understand that's just the norm. That's what most people do. Um, and one other thing as well is if you can't think of a question to ask immediately other than how was your day today, did anything exciting happen or whatever, or how was work, I would just like while I'm getting in, sitting down, I'd be like, oh, the craziest thing just happened. I just saw this street fight outside. Like obviously not making up a story, something true, but just be like, this just happened or this happened to me today or like, oh, my car got broken into just before. Like just put something out there. Don't be afraid to do that. The funny thing is that's what game actually, that's one of the, if you want to call it a tactic, but they would tell uh, guys at the club to – because, you know, girls at a nightclub are getting approached by so many guys and they're always saying, you look beautiful, can I buy you a drink? Yeah. And yeah. so they would say, go up to the girl and say, oh, my God, did you see that fight that just happened outside? And then there oh. wasn't ever a fight. But then <gasps> she'd 
that would that would that would be their avenue to strike up a conversation because it would be something different and exciting. It is lying, so probably don't do wow. that. But if something if something wild has happened, um, but it's not related to you, if if you've been outside and if there was a fight or if you know yeah. if you're in a big city, there's always something weird going on. If you talk about that, that's something different. That's something out yeah. there. It's exciting. Well, do you know what would really like, you know what a real, I was going to say a real panty dropper is, <laughs> and I cringed too hard at oh, myself, but I said it anyway, <laughs> <laughs> would be organize a date on like a full moon or a blood moon and be like, oh, did you see the moon outside? That would be, I'd just be like, yeah, this is. We're going home. Okay. Well, I wonder if that's just you, but, you know, for, for the women listening, tell us if, if that is just an Eliza thing. Yeah, please. Or if you could <laughs> go yeah, for a I walk. Think... Well, okay, let's go for a walk. I know a good spot. Look at that full moon. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Well, once I went for a walk with a guy and it was dark, it got dark and there was a possum in the tree. And I just, we looked at this possum for like half an hour and it was so beautiful. And I just, (laughs) we really liked this possum. Wow. Um, Okay. And we just had the best time. And even actually, when I was, um, started dating Adrian, one of the first things we bonded over was that we both love pigeons. And I had made a joke that something like that, I would love him. Not that intense, but something along the lines, if he could ever get a pigeon, if he could ever pat a pigeon or catch a pigeon. <laughs> and okay. that's what he immediately did. He spent the next hour like okay. grooming the local pigeons. And then that started to be our thing. Wow. We'd go on dates. He would hand feed pigeons. We'd be surrounded by pigeons. And then um, then we got matching pigeon tattoos, which I highly regret, but <laughs> we did it. That was like our thing. Okay, that's But that's, that's that's because I guess we bonded over like, like I'm a nature girl or an animal girl. Like for someone else, it's going to be something else. Um, but, yeah, I think having that a little something like that, a little spice is always exciting. And I think it's important people know as well. Look, you're never going to – there's never going to be some kind of question or conversation starter yeah, that's going to work for everyone. Guarantee. And there's nothing wrong with yeah. – going on a date and, and trying a different conversation starter or just being, you know, yourself, even if that version of yourself is one that you've been introspective about. And and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's not the end of the world. It's not something yeah. where you have to go home and beat yourself up and say, oh, I failed and I'm not charming. Look, there's uh, some people are just incompatible and there's no conversational strategy that's going to work on everyone. I'm sure some of the things exactly. that we've both mentioned here that we liked, some people would hate and some people would find yeah. deeply unattractive. So this is all very subjective and um, just be, you know, I know people get frustrated when they hear the cliche generic advice, like just be yourself and just be comfortable. Uh, so I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily revert to that, but there's also a lot of nonverbal cues that are given off in that first interaction. So even if you are yeah. asking a question like, uh, how was your day or what, uh, how was work today, which many would consider very generic and standard conversation starters, if you say it in a nice way with a warm smile, making eye contact without being uh, in, intense or creepy and you just have a friendly vibe about you, that's going to make all the difference compared to someone who can't maintain the eye contact and might be... And, and you, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, that you could just be very nervous and that, that happens to all of us. Yeah. 
Uh, and if they ask the same question, it might not be received as well. And so there's also a lot of nonverbal cues that come into this sort of thing. And coming back to oversharing, I think as well, if you're oversharing in a way that it, it, it is delivered aggressively or delivered in an yeah. off-putting way, that can be very different to someone who might be sharing a very uh, intimate personal story, but in a, in a warmer and fr friendlier manner. And then, you know, different people can perceive other people as warm and, and friendly or as, as cold. And that can be based on some personal experiences as well. So there's no real rules to this here, but a lot of yeah. it is also, it's just, it's the nonverbal cues. You know, I guarantee if uh, an extremely charming, charismatic person did ask someone, did you drive here? That could also be a pandy dropper. It just depends on the, on the. I'm sure if uh, I don't know Russell Brand or something, he'd he'd find a way to say it in a in a funny way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, a lot of it's um just a, just what do they say? A eighty percent of communication is nonverbal. Nonverbal, yeah. Yeah. That's and it's so true. Like as much as it is, uh, there's always going to be a vibe there and. Don't be afraid. If you're nervous, that to some people is very endearing and sexy. So that's okay. You don't have to like feign confidence. And if you're an oversharer, you also don't have to like rein yourself in. If you're the type of person that has like you're going to sit down and just have this beautiful, deep and meaningful conversation that's going to stick with that person for years and years, then that's beautiful. Like I've definitely had dates where I had heart to heart with someone and then literally think about it like years later being like that was he was such a nice person and wow that was so amazing and then other times where it just went like a little bit um, too far. Like I think I talked about yeah. this but um, I um, dated a guy once and we went out for, we went out for pizza um, near my place. And in that conversation, he was talking about how he's always wanted to have his tarot cards read. So I, and obviously I have tarot cards. So I was like, I'll come over and I'll read your tarot cards. So I brought this guy back to my house, like 40 minutes after I'd met him. And when I was doing his tarot reading, all the cards I was pulling up were really, really, really heavy. And then this guy started sobbing and he told me like I was abused and then Whoa. my brother died and then this and then this happened and then I was unemployed and then I'm homeless and it was so heavy and he was crying so hard and I was like fuck and then he got a migraine so I was like what can I do and he was like I need a bath <laughs> so I set up a bath for this guy um and okay. he sat in my bath in the pitch black I'd known him for an hour and a half at this point and um, I was like, I don't have any like Panadol or anything. Uh, there's a chemist down the road. So I left this guy in my apartment, went to the chemist, got him oh, that. Left him uh, in the bath. In the bath, in the pitch I don't black. think you've said this story. And I was like, um, I was at the door and I was like calling out. He's like, just come in. And so I like, I go in and I'm like, do I make eye contact? He's naked. Do I do I look away? Like, what do I do? Um, and he was like, I just got the fucking like worst migraine. I need something. I need like Panadol or Voltaren. and like get me anything. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll be back soon. So I left, came back. Um, and then he he felt better eventually. And then we stayed up all night and um 
he told me every single like he told he had a really rough life I'll be honest it was really sad his story and then afterwards he was like oh my god you're like the first person I've ever talked about this to that felt so good and then long story short this is the person that soon then became my stalker um and it was became a dangerous situation with like I had was borderline uh, getting police involvement is that why you don't don't like oversharers or did you not like oversharers (laughs) before that even before that I was like uh, I feel like you know what like I feel like when someone overshares in a nice calm manner where they're not actually like dominating I don't like dominant people I think that's what it is um then that was always okay but yeah this was something I overlooked because I was like oh I love that that was a really weird situation that I made this person cry I feel bad but I love that he was so vulnerable and like we had this great conversation and whatever but that obviously soon turned into like a very pretty dire situation um that went on for like two years um so lesson lesson learned don't do tarot cards on the first date (laughs) Don't bring boys back on the first day. I didn't learn that lesson for a long time. Actually, I probably did both many times since. Um, oh, sorry but, to hear that. Yeah. but And you know what was funny is I said to him, every time I've done someone's tarot cards, they've left in tears. And he was like, I haven't cried in eight years. If you could make me cry, I'd marry you on the spot. I just, I never cry. And then he was, he was crying like a little baby. Nah. But Any, anyone who says my, anything about marriage in like the first three days, <laughs> oh, marry me. Even as a joke, I'm like, yeah, nah. nah. <laughs> really? Uh, no, I think that's a red flag. I find it funny when I know it's humorous and I know that this person is probably emotionally intelligent and just char- super charismatic. I don't find it too even concerning. as a, nah, even as a joke. I don't. Maybe that's just me. I don't like it. That's a <laughs> guy. That's funny? guys who do. Th- I don't know many girls who. Oh, if you, if you like this pasta and I like this, oh, marry me. Ugh, no. <laughs> but do you know what's funny? funny is, I actually had this conversation with um, some of my girlfriends the other day, and when we were talking about like engagements and yeah. how like in our relationships. We would say to our partners, like, um, where when we were like early on in our relationships, like, oh, if we get married, we should move up to the central coast, or we should do this, or whatever. And Adrian was always for that, but most guys, like my friends' partners, were like, we've only been together for eight months. Please don't like, don't talk about that. And then we, when we were like reflecting on it in our conversation, we're being like, we don't actually have intention or like expectation to get married at this point in our relationship. We're just saying it like casually, but anytime our boyfriends at the time had received that conversation, they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> don't, don't bring that up. So it is funny how mm. like it can be a little bit different where we would say things, but not actually hold so much weight to that. Um, but okay. like when I think about it, I talked about marriage in every relationship I've ever had, <laughs> like literally all of them mm. kids, when we have kids or when we get married or whatever, and did I marry any of them? No, but that's that was just like, and I, only one boyfriend I had was like a bit like, let's not talk about that till we're serious. And I'm like, it's okay. Like if we break up, I'm not going to be like, oh, but we were going to get married. <laughs> you can't like, but it was just, I understand oh, if, that. If it's a serious conversation about where we're, we're both at and, and where do you see yourself for the next five years, I just find yeah. those jokes, I don't know, I just imagine... Someone who makes those jokes about, oh, here's something trivial that we both like. Ha, 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 marry me. I don't know. I just cringe at that. 
Like Maybe it's it. the comedian in me that thinks it's just a bad joke. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe so, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, by all means, if it's something that you both want to do in the next two years, it's it's probably something to address maybe even on the first date. Yeah, um, that's true. But, yeah, the the jokes or things like that. It, 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 to me, it just always feels like a guy who's clearly far more attracted to the to the girl and then she'll say something completely innocuous, you know, oh, I like beer. Oh, you like beer? Oh, marry me. Oh, that's <laughs> just kidding. Cringe, yeah. like, dude, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, that's just you're just showing how much you're uh, putting her on a pedestal. That's how I yeah. feel when I hear those jokes. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah. anything that like pulls in the cool girl trope, that makes me like cringe. Like, oh, I don't deal with girls like girls are drama oh my god marry me that makes that gives me so much ick but <laughs> yeah that sort of stuff yeah yeah mm. i don't know just don't just play i guess play on this on the safe side and don't do it unless um they mention that first or that's just the vibe or it's just all mm. like humor and whatever i guess see see what happens but i don't feel like totally. too many people do that <laughs> yeah fair enough um I see it more in interviews and things. I think uh, another big thing is that just because of all the anxiety we all have and the, the, the rates of loneliness, particularly post-pandemic, but we saw, I've been looking at some graphs, the trend is, there's a very noticeable upward trend as soon as the iPhone comes out. Yeah. And then I think even uh, as social media became more commonplace, just the amount of time people spend alone has just yeah. skyrocketed. And you're never going to be good in a social context if you're spending time alone. This is just, it, regardless of dating or not, yeah. you just want to practice talking to people. The fact that we have to say, you know, we're social beings and then the fact that y- you have to be told to practice something like that is really, it's, I think that's a condemning on the, wor- the society we currently have. You know, mo- throughout most of our history, we would have just been around people. So it would have been very natural for us to engage socially so if if you are uh, maybe an oversharer or any of these sorts of things that you could perceive as an ailment uh you got to just you just get it, get out there and then potentially face the consequences of that uh bad social habit uh but then be able to work on it. Yeah, and- I think that's a really important thing especially for people that need to develop those skills pick up your food don't uber eats it go to the grocery shops don't get it delivered just little things like that make such a difference when you can make those incidental conversations um with strangers mm. that's what builds your skills well said yeah totally good point um i think we've covered this uh we've uh we've shared our thoughts on oversharing do you have any any anything left that you wanna you wanna share? <laughs> no, just that I feel like people that may be drawn to this um, this podcast might be like, "Oh, I am that oversharer," um, and it's just something to be conscious of. Like, if you are that person, there's nothing that is detrimental about that or or harmful, um, and just understand and figure out what kind of oversharer you are. Um, and if you're someone that is dominating that conversation too much or disclosing too many personal things to someone that may be uncomfortable, 
There's nothing like you don't have to feel embarrassment or shame about it, but be conscious of it going forward. Um, And in the same sense, if you're someone that's really reserved and private, don't be afraid to share more about yourself and be vulnerable and have those, you know, put that information out there in order for more deep and meaningful conversations to occur. Because there's one thing I know, especially women that often come out from a date as a flaw saying, oh, our conversation was just all surface level. He was great, but the conversation was surface level. Um, And that is very, very often I hear that. So you might be thinking I'm playing it safe, but she's like, no, I wanted to know. I wanted to know the demons in the closet kind of thing. (laughs) Didn't get anything. So Mm. find the balance. Be like Neil. Be right in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, be like me. (laughs) Yeah. I think that, yeah, well said. And well, not, maybe not. You don't have to be like me, but um, uh, everything you said, totally, totally agree. And thank you, everyone who's listened to this. And let us know if we, uh, if you have a unique experience with oversharing, or you know, you know someone, or we didn't cover something, or anything like that. Let us know in the comments of the YouTube section, and subscribe to all our various socials. Come see a comedy show. And we'll see you next time. See you next week.